Aloha, everybody, and welcome to the Alien Contact Organization on the Aquarian Radio Network. And I'm your host, Janet Lesson. And I don't have a co-host today, which is unusual, but I'm here with Dean Pratt DeRosa. And Dean is the co-founder of the global meditation app MetaChange, which is at www.metachange.me, and an experiencer of different dimensional beings. He is a researcher and is currently working on a book video series discussing the translation of the Hebrew and Greek passages surrounding extraterrestrial interaction in the Bible, who or what God is, and finally theorizes what messages God was encoding when forming the human body as well as other life forms. His passion is to help unite and heal the planet, starting by changing the ideology of separation. So... Welcome to the show, Dean. Thank you for coming. Okay, hold on. You're okay. Now you should be able to talk in just a second here. Sorry, when the show launched, it turned off your mic. It's still not on. Come on, Mike. <laughs> Don't you love technology? Okay, Dean, can you hear me? Can you speak? Let me try hanging up the second one. We have two things in the back of the queue twice, so that might be holding us up. Okay, here we go. Let's try this. Sorry about that, listeners. There's always some techno glitches that keep us from doing our work. Okay, it's going in little circles. There we go. Dean, hi. Welcome to the show. Hey, can you hear me now? I can hear you now. You're a little bit... um, Muted. Maybe you want to talk a little bit more directly into the mic. No. Sure. Yeah. Is that better? That's better. Yes. So I I just want to listen to you for a while as you tell us, uh, me and the listeners about your. Let's start with your different direct, different dimensional beings. Which beings did you meet? What were the circumstances? Have you always seen them? Do you still see them? So uh, tell us a little bit about what you were experiencing. Sure thing, yeah. Um, and thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it and really appreciate uh, all the work you're doing as well. Um, thank you. When, yeah, oh, for sure. This is uh, this is awesome stuff. So as far as the uh, other dimensional beings go, when I, when I was 17, I grew up in a very Christian home. Uh, my dad's a pastor. I went to college to be a pastor. And, uh, you know, which is a great thing. I'm I'm very happy and thankful for the experiences that I grew up with. Now, as an adult, my, my views have changed some. But when when I had contact with, um, I guess you would call them negative entities or demons, for lack of a, a better word, it, that's generalization, but who knows what it really was. But, um, yeah, it was interesting because I, I, I wasn't involved in anything. I was a good kid, uh, to put it in, in, in other words. And uh, well-behaved and living for Jesus. And uh, at one point, I was about uh, 17, 16, 17, I woke up and I saw a skull with horns uh, on my door, but about two feet tall, halfway in the door, halfway out, kind of this white, grayish, translucent thing. I don't know. It almost looked like a hologram a little bit, but it was the, mm-hmm. the, the texture of it was more plasmic and moving. Uh, you know, and I was like, what in the world? And it was, it was, it was pretty big. 
you know, the horns were a foot and a half wow. out, and the, the, fo- the face itself was about a foot and a half, or, you know, right around. It was big. And uh, I was like, okay, this is interesting. So my door that it appeared on, my bedroom door, was right next to the light switch. So I finally worked up the courage to go up. And at, I, I got out of my bed and walked around my room. I'm like, there's no way this is me imagining this. And I walked around my room, and it, it would follow me. Like, it, well, it turned on the door. It never left the door, but it would turn and look at me and follow me. So eventually I got oh uh, the courage to, to turn on the lights, right? And I was like, oh, okay. So turned it back off and went away. Felt really cold in my room. Um, my, there's been a lot of different spiritual things that have happened with my family and relatives. So this is something where we were just like, okay. Uh, I told my parents. I woke them up and basically, you know, read the Bible, went back to sleep. Things were fine. That happened the next night. Happened for uh, It happened for a couple weeks, every night consecutively. And it got to the point where I would just wake up and wasn't scared anymore, just walk up and turn on the light. And after I wasn't really scared anymore, it stopped happening. Um, well, let me let but, me let me uh, let me deconstruct that a little bit with you. Let's look at that. So, what part of the world were you living in? Where do you live when this is happening? Uh, great what part question. of the world are you in? Uh, in Tampa, Florida, in in, in Tampa. Uh-huh. And there was a lot of crazy stuff, uh, a lot of different paranormal or just, diff- you know, in that house especially, uh, my sisters experienced things as well. But, yeah, in Tampa, Florida, and that was about 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Now, were you near any military bases in Tampa? In that area, there's definitely um, a couple. There's a Lockheed facility. There's um, an Air Force base. There's an Air Force base right next door where I went to college in Clearwater. But, yeah, there's quite a few uh, bases around there. And I honestly think right. from what happened, it might have something to do maybe with some older Indian wars, Native American wars, and, and especially since they fought some of the giants, according to some of their stories. But I don't know. Yeah, what, what, what are you thinking? Oh, I, you know, this is – it does sound like a hologram, and I'm thinking – of technology, but then again, I mean, since it's on your door, like if it's a, a ghost, let's just call it a ghost. Oh, they seem to be more free flowing. They don't need to have a wall of, of, that, you know, it seems like something's being projected, but you don't, it's not coming through a window or anything. So, but they have the, the, you know, they, whoever they are, they have technology to beam things. It just seemed like it, it, it never appeared anywhere, but your door. No, and right. it showed up, right, and and where it would show up was on a laminated poster, and I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Uh, it was a laminated poster okay. of um, Alonzo Mourning. It was a basketball player, or Shaquille uh-huh. O'Neal, I don't remember which one, but yeah. Right. So I don't know. I've never even, yeah, I know that's possible. I've never even thought about that. Yeah, it's just, it's strange. I mean... And I wasn't there, so I, I really can't, you know, interpret things for you. But I'm just, I'm just, um, I analyze things. I had a, a spot on my door when I was a child, so I'm much older than you. I was born in '54, so this is somewhere before, you know, '64, right? And it would appear on the the door in this one bedroom, and I would switch out bedrooms because. I was the youngest, and my older brother and sister had moved away. So, in this damn spot on the door, but it looked uh, luminescent. Um, and you know, you would set, you would check it. After a while, you're not afraid, right? So, 
you know, you turned the light on, so I would put my hand in front of it. Is it is it beaming from somewhere? You know, you, you the um, scientist in us kicked in after we stopped being fear-based. Right. What is causing it? Now, you were fear-based at first, and then you prayed about it, but then you said you, your emotions were kind of, you weren't afraid of, afraid of it anymore, right? It stopped happening once I, looking back now especially, yeah, once I stopped feeling the fear, was just used to it. Um, oh, you know, and I think that might have had something to do with it. At, at the time, I, I didn't know. Uh, you know, it happened for a couple of weeks and it stopped. And I was like, huh, that was interesting. I didn't really have a reference to understand a lot of what was happening. Um, we still don't have a reference. From a biblical... <laughs> it's like a mystery. Right. What is exactly. that? <laughs> so anything else yeah. that happened or anything else? What else happened to you? Um, a little while after that, the skull thing, uh, it was a couple months after, I remember falling asleep in my bed and the lights were still on out in the living room. My parents were watching TV. My door was cracked open a little bit. I remember that. And I fell asleep and then woke up shortly after uh, and sat right up and there was two hands around my throat but couldn't see anything Ooh. and it didn't feel like physical hands but they were definitely hands and I couldn't breathe in or out and I tried and I was like you know that little spot of this is me just making this up and I tried to breathe in or out and I'm like what is going on and then my my father had had a, uh, had an experience with a demonic entity when he was about the same age and it, that, it actually got on his bed, got on his back, and said, "I've got you now." And he told this story to me, and he said, "You know, he saw a pastor one time say, if, if Satan ever bothers you, just, just say in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command you to leave Satan.'" And so my dad, when he was 17, and he didn't grow up in church or anything, uh, he had just started going to church and 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 getting involved in Christianity at that time. I remember the pastor saying that, so he screamed that, and this demonic entity left him alone. And so when it happened to me, that's what I thought of. And so I prayed in my head. I couldn't say anything because uh, I couldn't breathe, but I just prayed in my head in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I command you to leave. And instantly I could breathe, um, which was interesting to me as well. And then I asked my dad what it felt like when the, the demon had gotten on his back. And it was the same kind of thing. Like you can tell it's definitely a hand, but it's, it's, a, it's a different impression than the physical touch gives you, you know. Um, but yeah, and, and this is know. very interesting, very interesting, because my my sister, um, she told me that she she was lying across her bed, and she was stretching, so she had her head down, and her legs, and her back and her legs were still in the bed, so her head was leaning over, she was stretching, and all of a sudden, from under the bed, the hands came, and they were choking her, and um, she said, not the exact words, like, oh, she said um, the Lord's Prayer and, and when she said deliver us from evil, but she couldn't speak it, same thing. And then my, and the, so that was when she was not, she was not at home. She was living in an apartment. She was a, in her early 20s, right? And then my brother was living at the, our home. And I know my, the home I lived, grew up in was haunted. There was just so many things. There were so many things going on. And he, he said that uh, something came and started to choke him, but it was like coming, on, he was on his back, so coming on top of him. But he, he didn't do the Jesus Christ thing. He just took his feet and somehow he kicked it. And he said he felt uh, the kicking. But I, I've never had that, but this is so, 
you know, I've heard of people and here, here you're having the same thing. Interesting phenomenon, <laughs> the choking hands. And the other one, your dad got on his back and said, I've got you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, um, I've been recently researching astral projection and different guys that have programs and training. And it's interesting to hear them talk about how the astral body uh, and, and, and its interaction with this third density physical plane. And, you know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like for someone to actually feel a, a natural, uh, an astral being's hands, that takes a lot of effort and intensity um, and in a certain sense. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting to me just trying to figure out the dynamics between the spiritual and the physical in that sense. But, yeah. Did you have a sense, any other sense of um, what that might be? Did you sense intelligence or uh, sense evil? Did you have any other senses going, any smells? Uh, don't remember smelling anything. The skull with horns, uh, yeah. I had a really, I had a dream that witches were chasing me and I, I hopped on a dirt bike and drove off a cliff <laughs> right before I hit. Oh my goodness. I, well, it was, it was freaking me out. I, and I woke up right before I hit, uh, it was the only place to go, you know, and, and, uh, I saw the skull with horns in my door and I woke up in a sweat. But as far as the hands, there weren't any other sensory, uh, things that I remember. Wow. Okay. So what else happened? Um, I mean, as far as, oh, and I suppose something more recently than in the last year, okay. um, I bought a house and I live in Nashville and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know this until after I got in the house, um, some things started. It's really interesting. Like you could just, certain rooms had a negative energy. You could feel it. It was cold and you could just feel like a negative sort of vibe and stuff was moving in the house. A couple couple of days after I just moved in, um, things, things slapping, like the blind slapping and stuff like that. And, uh, you could feel a presence. And one night, uh, the second or third night this was going on, I just had enough of it. And I decided to speak, try to speak telepathically with the entity or whatever was doing it. And we had a convo. <laughs> and when that's happening, <laughs> it's interesting because it's not like you necessarily know if it's, if it's, I don't know, at least for me, when I'm speaking with different entities or getting different downloads or transmissions, as, as you would call it, uh, there's always a part of me second-guessing it, right? Wondering, if is this just me creatively making things up? Um, mm-hmm. But I do know that the key is just to remain open and sensitive in an open channel. And um, Anyways, I had a convo with this being, asked me some questions, and we had uh, we had a dialogue, and I just I basically just tried to help them the one thing I did know is that ghosts and spirits, when they when people die in traumatic situations, they tend to get stuck in that in that point of space and time, and they don't want to leave that location, and and they're kind of lost and wandering because of the emotional intensity that they experienced at the point of death, and so they they yeah they might be ghosts, but they're just people that need help, mm-hmm. and um, they need help. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like we all do. Like even the most negative demon is is someone that's still part of the creator, I believe. So. Anyways, um, we. So, what uh, was your dialogue? What did did you ask it questions, or it asked you questions, or both ways? I, well, I, I kind of was like, I. (laughs) The first thing I said was like, "Hey, look, I don't know who you are or what's going on, but 
I don't have time for this. This is the house of love. I'm trying to do things to make a difference in the world. And right now this is just, it's getting annoying and I'm kind of over it. Like, I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on, but I don't, I don't, this is a house of love. There's no space for any animosity or negativity. And then mm-hmm. um, I kind of, I kind of stated uh, uh, who I thought I was in the beginning, uh, I guess more in my soul or higher form, higher, mm-hmm. uh, higher self form. And to which the entity re- decided to ask me some questions based on that, which was interesting. Uh, and I gave them, the entity was asking me why certain things happened in a certain way. And that's something that's like, you know, that's part of everyone's own choosing and, and situations that we set up beforehand. Uh, but I basically, the conversation kind of went, kind of went in a, in a, in a um, I'm sorry that bad things, some trauma happened to you. You know, we, we allow these things to come into our life so that we can learn from it, grow from it. And just kind of went through the, the, the spiritual process of, of why catalyst is allowed. And even when it means loss of life, that it's not over. You're an eternal being. There's still plenty more to do. And it was interesting because we had that conversation and like, you know, we just sometimes have to move on and let it go. And that was it. And I, and then I felt the presence leave, thought it was interesting. Um, it, it said something back. Uh, it was more or less like, okay, well, if that's right, then what about this? And I was just saying like how our soul's purpose is to be here to experience, to live, and, and to and to learn more about who we are as, as energy, as part of the creator. And um, told him there was a big universe out there, or the, the entity. So <laughs> the next uh-huh. day, or two days later, I'm talking to the neighbor, and they're like, hey, did you know someone was murdered in that house? And I was like, no. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, it was in the oh news and in the papers <laughs> and everything. And apparently Kim Kardashian... Uh, Rihanna and LeBron James all tweeted about this case. It was with Centoya Brown and a a 16-year-old girl that was being trafficked out for uh, sex with adults. Uh, The guy that owned this house, who unfortunately used to be in the ministry, and I guess he went through some tough times, went through a divorce, and just kind of it sounds like he spiraled. Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know much details about it. I've only heard bits and pieces since finding out about this. But he was sleeping when the girl killed him and nothing had happened. Uh, and and uh, it, it's an interesting story. If you get the chance and you want to check it out, just so look the, up Centoya Brown. What's, what, what's her first name? What are you saying? Centoya? How do you spell that? C-Y-N- C-Y-N-T-O-Y-A. Centoya Brown. I'll look it up. Yeah, definitely. That's um, fascinating. So, so yeah. she... She got murdered, or she murdered someone. I, I, got, I got confused. She 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 was bought by this this gentleman to you know uh, he wanted to have sex with right. her, so he brings her back to the house. And the first thing he does is I guess he was in the military, and he showed her all of his guns, and uh, that freaked her out. And coming her story, she like ended up I don't know if she ran away from home or whatever, but it happened when she was like fifteen or fourteen. Ended up getting this boyfriend that kept her high all the time, kept her on drugs, and started pimping her out. And I'm sure as a younger girl, uh, and especially in those circles of people, like, those girls disappear. Like, sometimes they get murdered, and right. she was probably oh, yeah. fearful for her own life. And this guy, the first thing he does is show her all his guns. So, anyways, I, according to the story, they didn't do anything, but he kept laying down to, to take naps and kept getting up and going to the bathroom. And I guess she just, at some point, snapped, shot him. Oh. And it made more sense to me why he was so mad, but she blew, you know, she shot him in the back of the head and that was it while he was asleep. 
And so the entity, <clears throat> I, I, I think I know why he was holding the grudge. It was like, how come I was allowed to be murdered like that? And it was a, it was an interesting situation. Do you have his name? Johnny Did Allen. Find out his... Johnny Allen. And it's ironic well, because there's a bunch of people. Well, that was good work with him. Go ahead. It, What's it that? Was ironic what? I said that's good oh, well, work I didn't with get... him. I work with with dead people too. But the, so you, your intuition just kicked in and you you knew how to work with him. So go ahead. You were you were going to say some more about but Johnny. I didn't get the name when I was talking with the entity. I didn't ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, it was just out of patience. <laughs> but uh, the. Um, <laughs> Johnny, it, it's just weird. I, I saw that from the article, right, when I started to dig into the case some. Right. But John uh-huh. John Allen was actually a good friend of mine growing up for a long, long time. And it was just interesting. And he's a good dude. Uh, would never do any anything like this. But, um, the yeah. John, the not the same John see, Allen. It was another John Allen? That was your good totally friend growing John up? Totally different John Allen. It's, it's just yeah. <laughs> still the same. Right. It's ironic. It, it, it keeps seeing, I know multiple people with the same name. And there's something about names, and especially since we live in a resonant frequency universe, that that ties us. Uh, yeah, that's another topic. But the point is, um, is Centoya Brown was in jail, like sentenced for life, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she just got she had her chance for the retrial. Um, I'd say four months ago. And I just so happened to, I don't know how I found out about it, but I saw that, and just so happened to see. Tennessee state governor uh, had declared that she was going to serve her full term and spend, you know, another, it was like 30 or 40 years in jail, um, which killed me because I watched a video that was made on, like, that she did for an interview, and she was just, she was like, I was a young girl, I was traumatized, what I did was completely wrong, I feel very bad about that, and I can't change the pain that I've caused, but she has been mentored by a, a good family and um, seemed to turn her life around, and especially coming from a, a traumatic traumatized child, you know, just going through experiences like that as a a younger person Mm -hmm. can really mess with you. And I think, you know, that's why Jesus said, you better be nice to kids, otherwise tie a millstone around your neck, because the karma is super severe, because children, you know, are shaping the next, the future. So, um, anyways, her case came up for retrial. The Tennessee state governor says, no, you get to serve the full term. I, when I, when I checked the Twitter, this is, and I'm not saying I'm just. This is the story. I, I'm not saying it's me. Yeah, just uh, the But story, I'm sure yeah. there were angelic forces, angelic forces out there. But uh, I commented on that governor's Twitter page, and I said, "Look, I, I live in the house that this, this case happened in, and I had to speak with one of the entities involved." I said, in, in, "In the in the instance of children, the karma is severe, and in the case, and I said, you know, heeding the words of Jesus, I would err with mercy on the side of this one." Um, Mm-hmm. And two days later, they they overturned the decision. <laughs> so I, I don't think know. you did it. I, I, I don't don't discount yourself because I have responded on Twitters of famous people, and then I see it later in the news. So you know, it definitely. And mm-hmm. I know people watch that. And somebody might have said, "Here, read this one." You know, yeah. Never doubt the power of your. Loving intention. That was amazing. Awesome. I, I wanted to share uh, something uh, something similar. I I was um I was stationed on. I'm not in the military. I was a civilian stationed on Johnson Atoll, and a young woman uh, was was uh, driving a boat, and she she hit a, a coral reef, and it went in a circle. And it, it it shot her out of the boat, and the sharks ate her. 
And so we lived in dorms, and I I came wow. to my room, and there was a police. I didn't know who lived next to me, and there was police tape, and it was th- that girl. It was her room. So I was right beside her room, and she was out of her body dead, and they couldn't find her. They couldn't find her body. It was probably eaten, and everybody on the island was searching for her. We all, you know, took off work and were trying to see if she washed up on shore and going out in the boat and anything. And um, so I, 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 I see the police tape, and I open my door, and 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 I hear a, a knocking on the wall, and I knew her name at the time, don't know it now, and, and I said, oh. Oh, is that you? Let's call her. Uh, we'll call her Cynthia. Cause we're, and uh, I said, please, if you uh, let's let's uh, develop a dialogue. Knock one for yes and two for no. So I did the same thing. I had this dialogue with her, and I said, um, your parents are on the way because they put, they had a little the newspaper. The parents are flying in. And we're going to do a ceremony for you. It's, it's been a week, and, and we, we've, you know, we're just calling it that you're dead. And of course, you are dead. You're talking to me. Um, so hang around till tomorrow and say goodbye to your parents. And then, but I said, please don't don't disturb me anymore because I have to go to bed. Same thing. You're like out of patience. I have to go to sleep. I have to get up <laughs> yeah. in six hours and go to work. So I need to sleep. So please stop making noise. Please don't, because there's a part of me that you can scare me. You know, you can come up and stand the foot of my bed, and I'm going to get scared, right? Um, so just uh, stay right. over there, and we'll be at peace. And she stopped, and she and she, it was it was. I know you you're thinking this is my imagination, but I had knocks in you know in response, one for yes and two for no, and I went, oh my god, I can speak to no, the dead. Yeah. So I have no <laughs> I doubt. I believe it. I've I heard all sorts of stuff. Oh my God, that's wonderful! And then you knew what to do. So, so since that, I've helped the dead because if you're open, if you're uh, you know receptive, they'll come to you. So I'm not, not going to go into all my stories, but I've had a half dozen to a dozen episodes since then. And then I I just help them, you know, see their relatives coming for them, and all they need is a conversation. So anybody listening out there. If you if you have the dead coming to you, a lot of them are just confused. Like, where am I? They don't even know they're dead sometimes, or they don't know where to go. So you just help them, um, you know, say, imagine that you see your your relative, someone who loved you, and they're they're looking for you. And when you just say that, often they finally see the relatives who have been looking for them all along to help them cross over. So you can really help. So, wow. It's amazing. Okay, so that's amazing. Anything else you want to say about that case? And I will look that up, and I'm going to – if you have a link to the article, I'll put that on your show page since we're talking about it. That's a, And you still live in that house? I do. I do. I had to – it took a lot of uh, – well, I'll say, yeah, there, there was a turning point in the energy. I felt the entity visit me a couple of days after we had that first conversation. And this is interesting. I was mm-hmm. watching – um. What was it? Uh, Cosmic Disclosure episode, or um, oh, yeah, wow. the, you uh-huh. know the David Wilcox show on Gaia. And uh-huh. <clears throat> I was sitting on my porch, and I felt that presence. The, I felt the same entity again. I was like, hey, <laughs> it was a different vibe this time. It wasn't mm-hmm. upset and angry. And I was like, hey, you know, um, 
hope things have been good. I'm just watching this video on the, the universe and all the other life that exists outside in the universe, aliens and planets and extraterrestrial things like that. And I could feel the guy go like, oh, wow, like that's awesome. He's like, I, I, it's, it's, it was interesting. I, I got the idea that the entity knew that the possibility was there to go explore, but it didn't want it. To just like you said, it's all thought based in that in that in that dimension. So you have to be concentrated on loved ones or a loving frequency or to explore. It's, it's totally up to your will. So if you don't believe it, you're not going to see it. So, anyways, you know, at mm-hmm. least from what I've seen. So, yeah. And so the entity was like, "That's awesome." And I've, I haven't felt the entity return since. So. I'm hoping that maybe if you know John Allen, if that's who it was, found its found his way and is out there, or maybe on some other planet, incarnating or watching this, or who knows, or checking, you know, coming back. If he's stuck in our cycle, who knows? But yeah, yeah. So that's all I have to say about well, the case. You... I'd be happy to send you a link. <laughs> oh, I'd love to see it. Yeah, I'll read more about it. So, any other? This is what we mean. It's not all uh, seeing ETs. There's all kinds of magical mystical things that happen to average people you're an average person i'm an average person and here we have these yep. mystical things happening so any other thing like that happen to you my i do have one other anom- anomalous <laughs> this is real weird uh no explanation okay. although i'm trying to put some stuff together but when i was 15 i was in a car with three other friends in the backseat. My dad was up front driving and actually the father of my friend, John Allen. All right. So this is going to be a little, conf- <laughs> so there's a John uh-huh. Allen senior. His son, John Allen jr. Was the one that I was friends with. John Allen jr. Was a couple years older than me. And he was uh, playing basketball for college his first year, like his first game. So we were all on the way to go see it. He's six years older than me, but our families have been friends for a long time. And he had a younger sister, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, the point is, yeah, multiple John Allens. This is, um, wow. this is funny how the, 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 that name keeps coming up in these events in my life. So this time we're on the way to go see him. And uh, it's so weird. I have I have an indented rib cage. And, like, if you go down midway in my rib my rib cage, it kind of indents and pops out a little. If you've ever seen... I've never seen the pre-Adamite pictures where the, the the real tall people with the pot bellies a little bit or, or uh-huh. something maybe, I don't know, if, you know, that's what my rib cage looks like a little. It indents and comes out like that. So, and you see that, that came, that's on the Italian side of my family. But um, uh-huh. both of my ribs, you know, it was like that on both sides. It indents and both ribs were squared off and pointed. They weren't rounded on the corner. And uh, I had to keep a shirt on all the time. I got made fun of all the time growing up for my chest. They called me cereal bowl chest and all this other stuff. So it was a huge deal for me as a kid, very self-conscious about it. Right. Um, in this car ride, uh, we were squished in the back. And, um, you know, it, it was pretty tight. It was pretty squished. And I was squished into the right side. I was I was sitting on the left side of the car behind the driver, so the right side of my body was very squished. We get out after an hour, hour and a half drive, and I feel my ribs, and the right side of my rib cage had completely changed shape and was normal, like a normal, rounded, normal human rib cage. And I was like, huh? <laughs> like, I, went, I ran to the bathroom, <laughs> lifted my shirt up, and I was like, what in the world? Like, how did that happen? And I, I was 15, and I was like, okay, uh, maybe it was just because I was squished. I'll sit on the other side this time and try to squish the other side, and I'll have a fixed rib cage. Well, needless to say, I wasn't able to sit on the other side on the way back home. 
so I proceeded from then on to like tie belts around my ribs uh, mm-hmm. and stuff and sleep like that as a kid. I wanted I wanted a normal rib cage pretty bad. I kept getting made fun of. So, anyways, it never worked, and I would fall asleep with a belt. You know, constant pressure, never worked. And I, I did that for a long time, probably, you know, on a, you know, here and there for a couple of years, just, you know, if I got frustrated. Anyways, um, as an adult, <laughs> I now know that mm-hmm. your rib cage cannot change shape in an hour to an hour and a half. Uh, all, all of those ribs on that side of my body became rounded uh, where they corner and they straightened out where the indent was. It, it's like all sorts, you know, just some crazy stuff, which makes me think that there had to be some sort of, one of two things. Either I have the superpower to adjust my bone shape at will, right? Or B, I got mm-hmm. abducted and, you know, taken out and put back in in the same spot of time. And I either, why would half my rib cage get replaced? Either half my body got blown apart and something and had to get put back together, or they wanted to sample. I don't know. Or I'm just a, an experiment. But that's something I, I still want to do a past life, or I, I want to do a regression on to see what happened. I have no clue, uh-huh. but there's no explanation. And I even went and told my mom. She t- she had me see the doctor and tell them. And the doctor's like, oh, you're young. Your your bones can do that. And I'm like, no, not at 15. <laughs> You'd have to break all of the ribs. They'd have to grow back together. You know what I mean? It'd be like a huge process over months right. to do that. So something definitely happened. Do I know what? No, something no memory. Happened. But um, something happened. And I do have, have quite a few family in the in the military. Some some of which are, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're way up in the, the, that world of top secret clearance stuff. So I have no idea right. if, 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 you know, so who knows. Well, see, there, there it goes to that first thing we talked about, the skull. So you have military and, you know, they could be screwing with you, but we don't know. But that, that's what I call a screen memory. You have an, a, an incident, a memory, something happened. And you know there's more under that. And and I married my hypnotherapist. So if I have something like that, nice. I say, honey, let's do a regression on that. I want to see what's under it. And I'd say every time we did that, there was something more. There's always something more. So, um, well, we won't do it on air here, but maybe sometime I can uh, offer you a session. It's too private to do that oh, that'd be fantastic. live. But then we can deconstruct it later. Uh, on a future episode, <laughs> like what? So that's amazing. That you have um, some evidence. You know that's not normal for your bones to shake. No. Uh, to change <laughs> no. shape. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I've got a lot of weird yeah. stuff. Yeah. So that's the last uh, real big paranormal um, anomalous thing that happened before we go I to would, the next thing. Oh yeah, that and well, this ties in. Speaking, speaking of regressions, they, I did one past life regression mm-hmm. one time, and to find mm-hmm. out what happened with my ribs. However, the past life regressionist was much more spiritually in tune. <laughs> it was like we're mm-hmm. going to see where your spirit guides want to want to take you first. And um, so I did a past life regression. Before that, I had suffered from a condition called chronic eosinophilic esophagitis, and um, essentially, it's a condition where my esophagus which is shut on just about anything I would eat. And I went to the, I was at Vanderbilt and they did the allergy test on me and I'm allergic to everything except like six things out oh of hundred or something, right? But mm-hmm. they came in like, how are you not in a bubble? Um, and it's like, I don't know. I'm not allergic to stuff. It's only when I eat it. My esophagus was the only part of my body that was freaking out for some reason. 
And I wasn't wow. putting together throat chakra trauma. I wasn't putting together any of that. Um, I was just like, yeah, like, wow, okay, cool. They're like, all you can eat is fish, rice, and some, some grains or whatever. And I was like, great. Um, so I was really curious to, to find out what had happened with my ribs. And the, the regressionist, she asked me, do you have any allergies I need to know about? So I told her about that. Vanderbilt doesn't have a cure. They offered me a bunch of steroids. Uh, they don't know what causes the eusophytes to show up and interact with the lymphocytes and then cause these allergic reactions, as most autoimmune mm-hmm. disorders play out, right? Um, right. So I said, I said no, I don't need steroids. I've seen what that does to other family members. Um, so did the past life regression. She asked me if I had any throat things. And then she, she, I, I told her about it, just shutting on stuff. She's like, oh, I'm kind of curious to know. I wonder, if that, you know, wonder what's up with your thyroid. She dug in it just for a second. And then that was it. So we do the past life regression. I tell this story uh, of me being like a, essentially a Roman general 2,000 years ago. It's one of the saddest stories. Super tragic. Like, all I did was cry <laughs> on the table for about two hours, two and a half Aww. hours. And then, then it, it was rough. And then at the end of the um, regression, I'm still in, you know, in that state, in the trance state. She asked me to, or she asked, well, recalling this past life, help with your throat condition and I heard yes so I said yes and forgot about it right and she asked me to see my spirit mm-hmm. guide she's like all right let's take a look see ask if you can meet your spirit guides and see them and I saw like six or seven praying mantis beings with long antenna that were about eight feet oh. tall and white robes like angelic praying mantis mm-hmm. and the long antenna is what was interesting to me everyone that sees those guys never sees antenna on them so I don't know if that's interesting but um Anyways, my nickname was Tristus. My full name was Tristissimus. Tristissimus in Latin means great sorrow. And this story was mm-hmm. really tragic. Tristus in Latin, praying mantis, is, is uh, Tristus Mante. So I was like, what? Oh, my goodness. Like all these weird, yes, synchronicities. So I go home, and I, after the regression, take a drink of water, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. My throat was just so much more open and, like, you know, just wasn't. It was just, like, healed. And I was like, holy smokes. Wow. And ever since then, the, con- the condition's been healed, I'd say, 90 95%. And if I'm ever super stressed out, I'll start to get a little bit of a flare-up. And that's when I started to see mm-hmm. that these, these traumas we carry in certain chakra regions, and mine was in my throat. And the point was, is because when I was, the end of the past life, I was supposed to speak up and say what had happened, and that I was betrayed, mm-hmm. and blah, 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 and I didn't. I just wanted to die. That's how bad everything was. And um, that's why it was stored in my throat chakra. And so there's been different lessons. And just recounting it, I didn't have to come to some conclusion. All I had to do was tell the story of what happened, and that's what brought the healing. So, yeah, that's also super interesting. A lot of times we just need to be witness, and then that that allows healing to happen. The story needs to be told. And so, and then, remember you were, were, uh, let's see. The being grabbed you around the throat. How old were you when that happened? Mm-hmm. You were 17. a couple months later after the skull thing? Yeah. 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 So then you had this throat problem, and then you did this regression. So, and then you saw, you saw your ETs. You saw the mantis beings. But they're part of your soul family. Is that, I would assume. Did I get that right? Yeah, I mean, it it really felt like that. Granted, yeah, I'm still sorting that I out. I have a mantis I, guide. Yeah, but, but yes. My mantis was very 
my mantis was very, I'm alive because of my mantis, because I felt like dying after this boy molested me, and I was nine years old, and I said, and he, he was very mean, he came up to me in a crowd, and he was rubbing against me, and I was nine, and he said, now you're pregnant, and I was, because ah, I didn't know how people got pregnant, right, <laughs> and I'm nine, mm-hmm. and I go home, and and I think, I'm nine years old, and I'm pregnant, and I don't know who this, cause I didn't look at the boy, I don't know who this boy is, and so that night I said, I don't want to be on this earth anymore, just take me home, take me home, <laughs> I want to go back mm. home, and who came but a mantis being? And it was a, a female, and she held me in her arm, and she sent this loving energy through me all night. And when I woke up the next morning, I said, okay, I can do this. I'm going to stay on Earth. I can do this. So, yeah, that's great. We have the mantis connection. Yeah. Yeah, that and there's a very strong reptilian connection with me and the avian. It's got everyone I've been talking to, Ross, been visiting. Well, that was happening uh <laughs> Tell uh, me a couple about months that. ago yeah. for the jeez. So I started um <laughs> I started this whole journey of going from conservative Christian, knowing my theology pretty darn well inside and out. Because I had to study the Greek and Hebrew growing up. And my, my, my dad's super smart. My my parents are very smart people when it comes to that. So I was very educated in conservative Christian theology. So that giving me a reference for how to interpret certain things about the world. I've always had questions mm-hmm. about certain things. So I finally started to ask those, say, about four four years ago, something like that, and really dug in. And, uh, yeah, it's it's been definitely a journey and a change of frame of reference just to understand that the galaxy and universe is so much bigger than what I had thought before and about soul families. And so I got into um, – I was trying to find people that I could – you see a lot of people in the UFO community talking about – their experiences, it's hard to know and find validated or, or at least verified by multiple people, you know, accounts. David Wilcock was one mm-hmm. of the first people that I ended up getting, finding on my own that had done a lot of scientific research, which is one of the subjects I love, physics and understanding. Mm-hmm. I started studying quantum physics because I had some questions about starlight taking millions of years to get here, but yet Hebrew, in the literal Hebrew and in conservative Christian theology, you know, the earth is only 10,000 years old and blah, blah, blah. So digging into why would God do things and then immediately have to change it. That sounds like your theology is is a confirmation bias as opposed to what's actually happened. David Wilcock um, had a lot of scientific studies on vibrational science and, and stuff that hasn't been uh, allowed in America that much. Mm-hmm. And then he also talked about the law of one. And got into the you know the other ET disclosures. Pete Peterson is the phenomenal guy that, and Corey Good when he started talking about raw, I found it pretty interesting. And I started, I went through the law of one. I've gone through it twice. I'm working on it a third time now, because they, if if out of all the religions I studied, if I was given a choice, uh, the law of one would be the thing that I would say is probably the closest to an existent truth of like what a purpose of a soul is. And they say it's not a religion by any means. They just say this is the creator and the universe, and you know you have a free will, do what you want. But here you go, here's some ideas. And um, once I really got into the law of one, I was able to make a lot of Christian and spiritual connections, and really started to relate what Jesus was saying to a lot of what was said in the law of one. And they discuss who Yahweh and Yeshua were from a soul history level. They discuss some of these Old Testament events that I've had questions about. So it's really interesting to hear uh, that species perspective channeled through Carla Ruckert. 
and um, <laughs> recently, these I I've never I don't have any conscious memory. Um, well, I have one conscious memory of of speaking with two hawk-headed two speak two two people from the the group of Raw, uh, but that only happened once, and that was a, a weird that that was a multi-dimensional sort of conversation. Um, but all mm-hmm. these people started coming to me, and they have had yeah like uh, uh, crowds of avian species like around them and their family and their soul family and they're seeing this and they have no idea about extraterrestrials. They're from other countries, some of these people. No idea about, oh. like, you know, just it's not like they were looking for this. They're like, I don't know what's going on. And so I was able, this kept happening where I was meeting these people that was having contact with Ra uh, in different ways. Not like the blue avian, not necessarily a physical blue avian manifestation, although for some of these people, they were getting caught up in like in a vision or right there or take, you know, taken out of body. So it was really interesting. Um, it's really cool to know, like what you were talking about, how much benevolent help we have just waiting, you know, uh, at, oh, yeah, for, for our call. But yeah. So yeah, it was, it was that that's kind of died down some uh, recent. You know, I haven't mm-hmm. had that happen, but it was it was real interesting there for for about six to six months to a year. Well, you know who Raw is according to the Anunnaki. He's Marduk. No, I don't. And Marduk is it, Marduk is Enki's son, and Enki is the uh, well. He and and Nima and his son Nigashida, who is um, known as Thoth or Toth, uh, they were the ones that genetically altered Homo erectus and made Homo sapiens sapiens. So we, we wouldn't be here. What, this species wouldn't be here. That's what I'm trying to put together. Because mm-hmm. from my translations of the Hebrew, the Elohim really sounds like a race, like the Anunnaki. I think it's the same beings. I mean, even mm-hmm. Anunnaki yeah. or Anakim, Anakim is mentioned in the Old Testament. I mean, the Nephilim, the Rephraim, the Eman, all these different names for the same beings, or maybe different races or, or species of the same group. But the it's point kind is, of like um, Italians and Americans, and you know, it might be. Slightly different names because they came from a different part of the planet or a different part of the galaxy. But I think you're you're correct. They're the same beings, and and based yeah. on different times, like like sometimes um, Marduk is is Zeus, right? So it just depends on what culture is viewing them, and they give them their their local cultural names for some reason. The names change. I guess it's because you- they can't. Um, wrap their heads around that these are long-lived beings that are hundreds of thousands of years old. But go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, no, yeah. Uh, I was just going to ask, have you ever heard of Gerald C. Clark? Um, yeah, Gerald Clark. Um, he wrote a book. I worked with him a little bit for a while there. He's kind of disappeared. But he's written several books. Did you read his books? I didn't read his books, but I watched a lot of interviews with him. I've, I, I bought his table of uh, his progression of the Anunnaki and yeah a lot of what you were saying as far as um, mm-hmm. so I'm familiar with some of like the, the history and origins there and I did see him talk about one time how I, I don't I think it was him that said that Marduk decided to rewrite most of history at one point and say that he did everything and had his name replaced with a lot mm-hmm. of stuff 
and from from what I've seen, and this is these are the pieces I'm trying to put together. According to the law of one, Ross says that there are whole species, an avian species, and they helped they built the Great Pyramid with their thoughts. This is in the law of one, um, mm-hmm. and that they helped establish civilization. And they were also working with another six density group in South America, which would explain the other pyramids being built down there. Those guys sound more reptilian based. Uh, the flying serpent, uh, the, the flying serpent kings and stuff like that, Quetzalcoatl. But the, right. that's the same sort of architecture that they're seeing in Antarctica is what's in South America for the step pyramids. But anyways, I'm I'm trying to figure out the different interactions between the groups because I do think that Ra was, was from what it looks like, definitely an avian species. They, they decided to manifest into a form to communicate with us. And then in the law of one, they talk about how this never goes the way they plan. Like every time they show up, they end up getting worshipped as a god or something. And it'd be very easy for other beings to claim that they did X, Y, and Z. So I'm still trying to put those pieces together of who did what. But when you talk about the creation mm-hmm. of the human of this generation of the human body, yeah, that's that's where I'm because I know exactly what you're talking about. And when we get into the translation of those older Sumerian tablets, and and yeah, it really does look like Enki and. Um, Ningzerta, right? Or what, what's those names? Uh, Enki and uh, Nima, his uh, sister wife, and he is his son is um, Nigashida, also known as Thoth or Toth. But he decided to come okay. down into the human form. So there's a way for them to put their body in stasis and they come down you know, through the birth canal and experience yes. and walk among us. So he's uh, called the thrice-born Hermes, or Hermes, yes. Trist, and like Tristanicus, I can't pronounce it. Um, Tristanicus. Yeah, so he, Tristanicus, yeah. yeah, there we go. Uh, so that's that's Enki's son that worked with him in the lab, um, and he was uh, born, Enki likes to have sex with love. Enki was not monogamous, okay, so uh, he was born that. through yeah. his copulation <laughs> with Arishka Gal. Um, and he had a love Enki. He was just very sexy. <laughs> um, but his son Marduk was troubled because he was supposed to rule the earth. He was supposed to give rulership of both Nibiru and the earth because he was the firstborn son of Enki. But he kept getting overlooked because he was part, um, well, it's a long, complicated story. But his lineage wasn't as pure as uh Enki's father, Anu, wanted you know his grandson to be because he had to right. marry Enki off to his enemy, uh, his enemy's daughter, Damkina. So this um, Damkina had a Lalu's blood, and and uh, Anu and Alalu were adversarial to one another. And then Alalu died, and and he he died on Mars, and the face on Mars that Hoagland identified was actually created by Nima when she stopped by Mars on the way to Earth and she built the memorial. So this was the first uh, Nibiran to be killed in space, right? So, um, and he, he actually, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Alalu. It's a long, convoluted story and we go, we go I, over all I remember going space. through that. Yeah. yeah so, I, I've read a lot of the um, kitchen stuff. I, I'm curious, what do you know what time that happened in, in history? as far as the face on Mars being created? Well, we're going back about 450,000 years ago. Now, okay. my husband is a scholar. He's a, he's a genius, you know, uh, anthropologist, psychotherapist, and started school 
started college when he was like 16, but he could have gone when he was, you know, much younger, but his parents didn't want him to go so, so young. So anyway, he's one of those nerdy right. guys, but he's very, very cute on top of it. And so <laughs> he, he, he just turned 79. He studies this every day, every day he's writing, um, and doing more and more research because we're, we're tying in all the different researchers. So it sounds like we need to read the book, the law of one. Uh, I kind of didn't go down that road, but you're saying that is a, uh, a channeled piece of information, but it goes beyond yeah. to the cosmos, the origin of the cosmos. So we're going it's, back yeah, to trying to get yes. before the Anunnaki came here 450,000 years ago. And of course, Cremo has identified these giant skeletons that are, 30 feet or taller and under, under uh, deeper layers, you know, he went down the side of a mountain. He goes, here's what we saw. Here's what we found a 30 foot giant. And then our government's always yep. uh, suppressing the information. So it's hard for us to get the, the, the truth, quote unquote. Yeah. But the, basically the Anunnaki created the Bible because uh, they started to tell these stories. And then um, of course we know the Bible got translated and translated and translated and then there was um the fifth ecumenical council under constantine and the bible is actually an encyclopedia of all these writings and they decided what would fit into a story that yep. they wanted to tell they canonized it and yeah they canonized it so uh, and we've been but you know we traveled with Sitchin. not not we missed the period where he was going around the earth i probably couldn't have afforded to go with them anyway I never was rich, but they were going to all the sites, and Sitchin had the largest private collection of all these uh, uh, cuneiforms and other artifacts. And then he died in 2010, and now we don't know what happened to all that stuff. Um, his family did not like his research because they were very strict uh, Jewish family, and, and they thought, you know, there's always the UFO were oh, yeah. researcher and the rest of the family's going, you're crazy. <gasps> yeah, and what he was but, saying was that Yahweh was an alien for all intents and purposes, so yeah. Mm-hmm. But that means we are too, because every single one of us has their blood. You know, we're all part of them. So yeah. this planet yeah, is seeded it's been an from... Interesting. Mm-hmm. So... Go ahead, I yeah, so, so you so you're you're studying the Hebrew. So you have how did you learn how to do these translations, or are you teaching yourself, or how are you going about this? Yeah. Um, well, when I was younger, I was taught Greek. That's the first thing we studied. And then I started to study the Hebrew. Some in the eighth grade is when I first started studying it. Some, and I did it off and on throughout different parts of Bible college. And uh, I'm by no means an expert and and the only reason I'm not even you know not even close the only reason that I'm able to put together this information is because I know the the bible I've been memorizing the bible since I was 3 so I have a pretty good idea of how the story plays out and then I know the parts that never made sense to me and thanks to the internet biblehub.com I can now cross reference all the passages in the original Hebrew and then go to the the public oh. library which I did in Nashville, what's it called? And, and Bible the, what? Bible what's Hub. Called Bible what? Bible, Bible Hub, Hub or Hub? Bible Hub. Okay, Hub. H-U-B. Yes. Dot com. H-U-B. And it lets. Okay, I have to yes. look that up. And it lets mm-hmm. you. It lets you view the passages 
in Hebrew. And then you can click on the word and do all the cross-reference studies. So before you had to do this for Strong's Concordance in a book, and it would take forever. And there wasn't many resources for the Hebrew because the Hebrew was left uncontested for so long. The more I dug mm-hmm. in and saw that the word for God, Elohim, is plural. It literally means the mighty ones. And it gets translated as God, false gods, mm-hmm. demons, even even people, because they don't understand um, how to actually translate the word literally. If they just translated it literally, we'd have a much accurate representation of what was actually going on. But you get a singular God in place of sometimes uh, what's being referenced as an entire race of species. Um, so, yeah, I, once you, all you have to do is have a literal translation, and it sounds a lot more like the Sumerian account, right? And especially right. since that, that was written down, what, 1,500 to 2,000 years after the Sumerian tablets around then. So, of course, Moses right. is coming out of Egypt and is well aware of the interaction of these Elohim and, and that they're ruling over different parts of, of the world at that point. So it's, it's interesting. And that's why he had the audacity to ask Yahweh, let me see your glory if you're so powerful. And what did glory mean? And there's a book, I don't know if you've heard of it, it's called The, the Book That Will Change Our Ideas of the, or our, yeah, our ideas of the Bible Forever. It's written by Moral Biglino. It's- He's an Italian translator. Again, of it's, called what? it's called Slow Down Now, right uh, now. It's called what? The, uh, the book that will change our ideas of the Bible forever. That will change your ideas or our ideas? I think it's our. Our ideas of the Bible forever. Okay. <laughs> Good reference. Yeah. Yes. You you would love that book. He references Sitchin's work. He's he's a translator mm-hmm. that has translated so many Hebrew texts. So the Vatican hires him to translate some of the oldest Hebrew texts they had. And he goes, okay, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do a literal translation. And he got what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, this is obviously an extraterrestrial <laughs> species. So the Vati- he wrote a book on it. That book that I told you is is a PDF book that's free to download. He's got a bunch of other oh, works, great. but it's hard to find them translated in English. Um, so that's kind of tough. But right. he talks about how the word glory and where that word came from, from the Sumerian, and probably was referring to a spaceship. Uh, as a, And he gets real into the pictographic. you got to understand the progression of the pictography and the language. And the, the, you got to understand what the bowl meant to Enlil and the Elohim and why that the bowl was used, the, 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 the actual head of the bowl was used in the language so much. Um, right, because you had they, yeah, the horns... You had the horned beast in your on your wall. Well, yeah, and I I'm starting to think from what I've seen a, a lot of the Nephilim and those giants. So best I can tell, you had your Elohim or, or Anunnaki, but then you also had hybrid hybridization going on between humans yes. as well, um, but in a physical sense, not in some demons manifested in the bodies. And I spoke. <laughs> I got to speak at UFON through web conference. Misha Johnson actually got me hooked up with that. Oh. And I did a presentation. I did a, I did a presentation on all of my Old Testament passages that show a physical lineage of the Nephilim. Like, here's their father. This is where they came from. And it says that they're part of the Elohim. And it gets back into these ancient, you know, huge beings creating man. And people have... People haven't, that's what I'm saying, people haven't even touched this stuff. It's there, and they're, they all they have to do is get on BibleHub.com 
and do their own research or whatever, but no one wants to dig into this side of their theology because they read the Old Testament, they go, Giants, oh, big deal. And that's, that can only happen through <laughs> genetic intervention. And then you have Yahweh reducing man's lifespan to 120 years when we were living to be eight, 900. How do you do that right. through frequency? And so, yeah, and th- oh, what's, they, they what's been really interesting. DNA manipulation. They, they, they're geneticists. Yep. They can just, um, you know, through interviewing all the whistleblowers, there's people that are super soldiers and our military government or whoever it is, aliens, they're, they're taking uh, fetuses that are already born, babies, and they can change it, you know, before the, the mixture is put together or in the womb or after the birth. Yep. <laughs> and um, that's how you have these super soldiers. So they, the, the biblical story from uh, Sitchin, which is a Sumerian text that's been translated, they loved to experiment. So they made the minotaurs and the centaurs and the mermaids and all these right. um, beings. And the cyclops, cyclops was very, very tall. They had one eye, and these beings existed. And they have all these stories about them. But it's been so long since yeah. we had a flood. They're all they're all buried under, you know, tons of of uh, debris, you know, mud and everything. Yeah, for the most part, at least we'd like to believe. <laughs> but it still sounds <laughs> There's like some that emerged though. Guys, yeah. Yes, every now and then you still see that. Um, some Marines ran into Challenger? a giant in Kandahar. Michael Challenger. Yeah, have you seen the Challenger beside the footprint? That uh, um, he has this yes, giant footprint, I, I, and he's standing beside it. It's as tall as he is. Who made yeah, that? I've, I've, yeah, exactly. Um, it's interesting because Corey Good, when he's speaking, I, I, I don't know if you've followed much of what Corey Good has talked about. But he a little bit. he starts to say that, yeah. And, and what the law of one caught my attention because there's 200 points of scientific validity in the law of one, and a lot of which we didn't know about back when it was translated in the 80. It was 79 through like 82, 83. But um, essentially, yeah, they go into like dating dating systems. They talk about how the war on Mars happened and how a lot of those people came to Earth and the karma that they've had to deal with. <laughs> it's really interesting, uh, the incarnations mm-hmm. they've had to take to deal with their warring karma. And that ties directly in to the Elohim. And another it ties into the Anunnaki story. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes, for mm-hmm. sure. And the other point they make is that Yahweh was actually um, two different two different groups. Uh, and at times when, when Moses and the people were really upset and pissed off and in a bad mood, if they would go to make contact, they would end up contacting the negative, a neg- negative group posing as Yahweh, probably a Draco-based group, um, and, and they would get commands. And, and you see this genocide uh, given by Yahweh, these orders to kill men, women, and children in a land that wasn't the Hebrews. And what it really sounds like is, you know, the places he's telling them to wipe out are all these places that have other Elohim and, and giants and, and hybrids. And he hated, you know, Yahweh was like, hey, I want you to wipe out. Like, Gath was one of their main enemies. Well, Gath was apparently the city of Enki. And if Enlil was Yahweh at some point, you know, was that character, which it really sounds like Enlil might be from all the parallels right. that I've seen. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it gets... 
gets really interesting. It's hard. It's still hard to put together the full it's, story. It's just a, a because, couple brothers yeah. that are always fighting, and they have two clans. They have their children and grandchildren, and uh, and and of course Nima is uh, the Mary figure, Mary Magdalene, the, the divine feminine, and she gets written out of the Bible. But she was actually the one after the flood that said, "I promise never to destroy my people again with a flood." But uh, she wasn't going to let it happen. The, the flood was a a phenomenon of, of the uh, incoming the planets coming in, the, you know, the Biru and, the, and its um, moons and all that coming in and causing, which might be what's happening now. The heating up of, this, of the inner solar system seems to be uh, some correlation with the Biru coming and going, but I haven't, I haven't followed that in a number of years. But what you're saying, um, let's see, you said something and I wanted to say something about um, the two brothers that were fighting, they, they were fighting all along because Anki as the firstborn was supposed to be the inheritor of all this stuff. But actually, in, in Anki's personality, he liked to do science. <laughs> so on some level, he didn't want to roll. He just wanted to do his, his scientific experience, experiments. He's like Tesla, right? He just wanted to do all this fun stuff. And so Enlil had a huge ego, and he wanted to come in. But I think the battles that we're talking about in the Bible, and we've we've studied this extensively, I don't think the Dracos came in, although Thoth, Nikashina, does say that when he he studied with the, um, what did he call them, uh, the beings that were in the halls of Amenti. So he discovered this this other species that wasn't Anunnaki, that when he went under Atlantis, he, he encountered the Halls of Menti, which became interdimensional. And these beings said that they, on every sphere, they have a portal to access. And these are like high-level, um, source-level beings, right? You have source, and then you have the sub-parsing from source. You know, the co-creators, first-level co-creators with source. Well, they're they're kind of like the yes. Christed consciousness and the Buddhists. And they periodically come down and do some intervention, although they're not supposed to be intervening but yeah if you leave behind a story of jesus that's intervening right <laughs> so they come in and they they you know do their magic to try to pull us out of the dark into a higher level of consciousness so um he discovers this these beings in the hall of Renti, and they teach him how to leave his body and, and travel through time and space and um you know be be, be more than a, a 3d physical being be who we are which we are eternal beings and we can go astral we can do all kinds of things and um so he came up and he was you know telling his dad about it and um then he at one point decided to come through as a thrice born hermes so there's the spiritual thing oh, i forget why i went down in this uh conversation you gotta forgive me but um there was a point you I know what's interesting it. to me <laughs> No, it's yeah. okay. What's interesting to me in the, in, the, in the Emerald Tablets is Thos has a conversation with Poimanders um, and um, the dragon, right, that's guarding wisdom. And it's interesting mm-hmm. to see that dragon figure come up in different species. And what I, I, I study, study, uh, I, I'm, I'm delving into the reasons for DNA architecture, as in. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's scientific evidence that shows that your DNA looks the way the, the reason you look the way you do is because of the biofuel or orgone energy, as some people have called it. But the, the field of electricity that's running your body, your soul, a little portion of your soul, makes up your biofield, and that is what's telling the cells to form 
and, and the proteins to come together and, and the algorithms that they do to make you look like you. This is why you look like you from body to body because it's actually by the soul. And what's interesting to me is when you start to understand that the reason people look the way they look is due to their past life incarnations as different animal groups and learning different lessons through those different animal bodies, eventually getting into higher forms of human and then beyond. And uh, some have chosen to come back, you know, as wanderers or helpers or whatever the case may be. It says a lot about mm-hmm. the experience that the, crea- the creator is having in that vehicle. And so it's really cool to to me at least, to to see how the human body relates. And the reason I bring up dragons is because the dragon is is, is in the shape of a vibration, like dogs, like snakes, like fish, like sharks, like horses, Mm -hmm. or vibrations with legs. They're just vibrations with legs, right? And the muscle builds around it, and we see this pattern in life. The dragon is such a resilient, mystical kind of uh, image because reptiles regenerate insanely fast, and they have a willingness to live like none other. And that's how come those Komodo dragons can have all that bacteria in their mouth. And they're, they're unca- uncanny for resilience. And so I, mm-hmm. I started to see the reptile form as just the resilience of life. However, that can't be used in a negative way, which it does get used by a lot of species at strength. Um, but I also see, you know, species with wings, the, the, the whole idea of angels and wings giving you the thousand-foot view as being just as important. Um, to understand the bigger picture. And there's reasons why every animal does what it does and why these bodies do what it do. It's all, it's, it's do what it do, <laughs> do what it does. It's like what they you do said. They do what they do. What they do. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let me use proper English. Uh, but in the law of one, they refer to the logos, just like the book of John does in oh, the yeah. New Testament. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the logos is basically infinite energy, the creator. And then sub-logi are mm-hmm. fractals of that. That's what you were kind of referring to. And that just keeps breaking up through, you know, when you shine white light through a prism and you get all the colors of the rainbow, you know, keep zooming in on those different colors and you'll, you'll see the different shades. And I, I see that's that's what we are, just different shades of the creator. But, yeah, it's been interesting. I studied a lot of what Tesla had to say and a lot wow. about uh, DNA. So it's it's just been, been trying to connect the spiritual with the science a lot lately. Well, you're shedding a, a, a light on some of my mysteries. So, I, I'm an extreme experiencer. I've had experiences since before birth. And one of my experiences, which was quite profound, was with a dragon. And I was, uh, I'm trying to get my screen to come back on so I can see what our time is. I was on Johnson Atoll. And first of all, they, I think that the government or the powers of be, they, they know who the experiencers are. So people were paying attention to me far more than they should have been. <laughs> and about a year into the my contract, I was still working for the military. I was taken in a kind of like an eyes wide shut ritual. The grays were the mm-hmm. the delivery system. They came and, and took me and I went to a little um, kind of shuttlecraft type of a small, a small UFO with my boyfriend at the time. And then we were sent uh we we uh, propelled out in this craft down into the ocean beyond the coral reef so i can i have that i'm going to put that in my book i haven't quite finished it yet showing where uh, around john Atoll is the deep waters and that's where the underground underwater insulation is and once i was there they took my boyfriend they did all this stuff on a you know that silver table they have. <laughs> Where do they manufacture those, right? And um, <laughs> and then I, yeah. I was uh, 
directed, uh, you know, telepathically to put on this gown. And the gown was not only decorative, it was kind of like, um, you know, a gown from the 1800s or 1700s or 1600s, you know, a long gown, very beautiful, like going to a ball with shoes that I thought would hurt my feet. But they had, they were, it's almost like wearing uh, the outfit I needed to protect my lungs because the, the bodice of the gown was all these crystals and gems. And so that was protecting my heart and my lungs and my ribs. And then the shoes were full of gems and crystals. And so I was able to float. When I when I stepped forward, I actually went like 10 feet, <laughs> you know. But I had to do the most awesome. walking and I, every time I moved. And then it became apparent why I had to do that. I'm only five foot two. As soon as I started walking in the direction that I was directed to telepathically, which, which by the word, by the way, it's not words; it's just concepts. But you understand it, you get it, you know. Okay, so I'm I'm following these directions and I'm heading down in deeper into the facility, and it goes from this artificial man-made, you know, whatever structure that was built to the the caverns and everything, and so eventually. I end up uh, down in the center of this huge, huge, giant cavern. But on the way, um, the the Anunnaki kept coming in from the side. Like the a door would open, I'd see a shadow first, and then they'd step into the light. And they were they were gigantic, you know. In their original form, I'd say the tallest ones were maybe twenty, thirty feet. I just, uh, but I was somehow protected from fear. Like we had that natural fight or flight reptilian instinct fear but somehow I was not afraid and I just was in this uh, state of grace as I walked and then they kept they kept coming in behind me and we went to this uh, large cavern and there was a beam of light on the floor and it was uh, in front of this huge black sitting wall that went so high you couldn't even see where it ended and while we were walking, everybody was saying telepathically. They were getting excited, like, is today the day? Is she the one? Is she the key? Is she the key? And I'm going, what are they talking about? But I got caught up in the moment. I just was getting more excited, and it was it was thrilling, you know. And uh, I wasn't afraid. Oh, I was, like, joyous. And then I, then they grew silent and stopped talking, and I knew, okay, I'm supposed to step into the beam of light in front of this wall. And when I did it, it frizzled. And on the other side was a, 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 a the most enormous. It's kind of like um, the dragon in, in Lord of the Rings, right? That's a size comparison. And uh, we're all looking at this enormous dragon. And then she sees us looking at her, or senses us, or telepathically gets us. And she projects an avatar that's five foot two. So we're looking eye to eye. We're we're doing a, a puja, like a tantric puja, awesome. eye to eye. And we're going into each other's souls, and um, and suddenly we're connected. We're one. We're 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 we are each other, and we're connected all the way to source. And and that that and it it turned into one moment. It all one, right? We all became one. And everybody was asking every question, and, and simultaneously all this exchange of information and it was happening. And um, so everybody's questions were asked and answered. And I think when I finally returned to me, I swooned. I don't remember getting back. All I remember is uh, the grays again, the small ones that are about five foot, you know, four to five feet. They're 
plopping me down on my bed. Now, my question is, why do they always plop you down? I mean, they could set me. No, they, they drop me from about three feet up, so you go, oh, you know. And then they um, they put a, it was like a puff of air or something, which I was paralyzed, couldn't move, and then they left. So I couldn't watch them leave or anything. But I felt them. You can feel when they, it's like the barometric change or the, the whole frequency of the room changes. And they left. Yeah. And they let me sit there for, oh, maybe 10 seconds. And then my alarm went off. You know, I had set the bed, the alarm before I went to bed, right? And and I, and I, then I was able to move and I was, I was furious. I was furious. It's like, oh my God, I got to go to work and act normal. You know, and I'm on a military base. I don't know who would be safe to say this stuff. Of course, they were in on it, but you know, I didn't know all that stuff back then. It was 1997, 90. No, it was uh, um, December of 96. So, I, I, I said I've got to leave. After that, I was, I was kind of destabilized. I was, and I left, and I, I came back to Honolulu. That, Johnson Atoll is 800 miles south. West, so but you're but you're talking about the dragon, and, and of course the dragon's everywhere, right? It's on the the royal crest. It's in China. It's everywhere, and I'm saying this isn't a mythical beast. Why is this being delegated to mythology? Um, and so you're shedding some light on it. And of course, we have dragon genetics because we have the reptilian brain, and, and then probably the dracos. They're all related. You know, we're all related ultimately, but they're related in, in that they're in this. Reptilian form. I mean, I'm here in Maui, and we have little geckos all over our walls, right? And, and they're like little mini dragons. So. Yeah. Yeah. Reptilian genetics. Are yeah. Go ahead. Say that again. Uh, I, just, I just said reptilian genetics are amazing with adaptability and resiliency. They are by far one of the most resilient, higher density forms of life. Like it's crazy. It really is, but. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. that when you think about the creator and and the creator going, okay, I want to create an articulated experience. If you're infinite energy and you're everything and you can do anything, and you want to create a, a, a holographic reality that you can experience things in and 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 have an articulated experience to learn, you know, just to create, to express yourself, to know, mm-hmm. um, you would choose very carefully what bacteria, what bugs. What, what mammals, you know, the whole nine, whatever creature would be allowed to possess electricity or possess the essence of life. Because as you move through space and time, that body that you're inhabiting is really going to determine a lot about your experience if you're uh, an aquatic being as opposed to one that can fly or one stuck in the ground. Um, and it's going to teach you a lot about pack mentality versus soul mentality. It's going to teach you a lot about you look at animals and where their eyes are placed and which ones are predators, which mm-hmm. ones are hunters. And you look at the, the architecture and the reasons for these beings allowed, allowing souls to recycle in these animal bodies over and over and what lessons you could learn. When you get to a human, so there, I don't, this might just be me. I might be one of the only weirdos out here, but I see a lot of the animal resonance in people and leftover mm-hmm. feline traits, leftover avian traits, reptilian, you name it. And so that, Honestly, I see that playing to their personality a lot, too. So it's it's pretty interesting. Um, that's one of the things that in this book that I'm working on, the beginnings going through the idea of theology and the whole Garden of Eden account and really just looking literally at the Hebrew. And I also have other Torah. I, I have Torah commentaries 
that are written by rabbis, and I also use the Hebrew from them and, and kind of go off. I mean, yeah, I really get into it. But at the end of the book, I discuss the reasons for human biology and architecture, a.k.a. how, like, certain things like the face, the head, is just a higher representation, a higher octave of the sexual reproduction organ. And they both create, they both manifest, and you'll see a lot of similarities in the architecture. And then you start Mm -hmm. to get into, this is one thing I found out recently, and it makes perfect sense. We have piezoelectric crystals in our pineal, pineal gland, and we operate very Great. much like an antenna or an amplifier. We're, we're like a walking radio. That's the best way I can put it, right? That You, you can tune up your station, mm-hmm. you can receive stations, and you have, you have these crystals in your brain processing all this electric information and, and basically propagating your reality, and we all do this together. Um, and so, you know, what, what, what I saw was you have those piezoelectric crystals in your pineal, but we also know now that we have crystals in our ears, and they're called otoconium ah. crystals. And what it does is it forms a triangle, kind of, right? Well, no, it does, in, in the face. And then if you look, your eyes, your nose, and your mouth, that is the manifestation of, of, of two perspectives, two energies, into the male nose and the female mouth. And the, the act of inhaling is the male's job to inhale, to intake. The female is to express and create. And we have that manifested on everybody. Even though the human body is a male expression of energy, uh, most bodies are a male expression. That's, anyways, yeah, this, this is another conversation. But oh, the point is, is that. Oh, this is fascinating, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, we, we okay. have uh, a perfect balance written on our faces. So this triangle that our face makes, the two eyes down to the mouth, the, the, the feminine triangle, is complemented by the crystal shape uh, made by the male triangle. And it's just interesting, the Merkaba, the six-pointed star, the star of David, right. how that is is just a unification of male and female. And I'm I study vortex mathematics a lot because Nikola Tesla said if you think about the universe and energy, frequency, and vibration, you'll start to understand it. And he also said three, six, and nine are the keys to the universe. He mm-hmm. got onto that by multiplication sets and, and different mathematical um, algorithms in that sense. I got turned on to it because I started studying vortex math, which was Recently propagated again by Marco Roden and Randy Powell. I know Marco. It's, it's, I studied with my, Marco when I came to Oahu in 1993. I hung out with Marco, and he actually came to my house when I moved to Maui. So you, what you were talking about, you sounded like you were uh, referencing Marco's uh, information. Oh, yeah. Fascinating. Wow. That's awesome that you So everything is toroid. It's toroid. Oh yeah. yeah. So you look at my house. everything. Spins. He conceived his twins well, he... in my bed with his girlfriend. <laughs> 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 That's how well, there's some up. sacred energy. Yeah. Yeah. That's amesis. Um I mean, well, see, really, we were tantra teachers thing. when I met my husband in the 90s, and, and, and we still do teach tantra once in a while, but what you're talking about is very tantric. Yeah, the masculine, feminine, and, and you know, it's yes. yin yang, and it's how we, uh, you know, we fit into one another. But, and, and so I, when I was uh, 18 months, uh, I call it the time to go be human, because I was still connected with who I was as a multidimensional being and this and aware that this is just an avatar or we're all the, the part of our souls that inhabit our forms. And of course, time is just an illusion of, you know, this uh, dimension here, but you can simultaneously exist in many 
planes and oh, yeah. planets and forms and and we do we do you know I, I I at night I go to my other job I have I have my other body and I I have this whole thing I do and I come back and tell my husband about it but um, they showed me when I was 18 months around 18 months I'm trying to figure out what time it was that I had to go be human but they were showing me all the the beings with the with the frontal eyes and the nose and, and a mouth of some form and it was one after another. And uh, and I wanted looking at it, like why did they just show me those? They could have shown me blobs, right? But they were all these right. things, and they were a lot of different animals and things that I couldn't, you know, call like dog or cat. There's some other species that has another name, right? But they were all sentient right. and conscious, and 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 one after another would come, and they were all like saying goodbye to me, and then and then I was just crying because. I'm looking at them like a like, like the dragon. There's like a puja, and we're looking at each other's eyes, and then another one, and another one, another one, and uh, I'm just crying. And then finally, they said, "Okay, it's time to go be human." And then there was this like whole, this loud crack, like they closed the dimension, and and it's like then I couldn't. I was talking uh, uh, way above my uh, my uh, 18 month year old ability right and I was freaking out my mother she thought she had given birth to the demon seed so they dummied me down so I wouldn't get killed because she was going to take me out because <laughs> she, she's wow. very Christian she thought I got I gave yeah. birth to the demon seed yeah so she hmm. they knew what she was thinking and so they protected me so I could be normal but and it's when I say that it's like oh my god what are you crazy Janet but this is a memory all I have is a memory like you have and we can judge him and, and try to, but I'm, the more I talk about the memory and experiences, like with you and other people, the more we get this bigger, bigger picture. Now, I love your research, what you're doing about the human body and the encoding. And I, when you're going to get this book done, I got to, got to get a copy. Of it. uh, <laughs> it's been taking me, it's been yes. taking me a second to work on it, but hopefully yeah, I would say with, hopefully within a year. Yeah, the body the body stuff is still a journey for me, and I keep finding new parallels, and that's awesome because it's like, oh, wow. you know, it's just undis- it's just new territory for me, and I love giving my brain something, you know, a new itch to scratch. Um, but where I got to with all of this, the more I translated the, or looked at the translation of the older scriptures and the Bible and what we're told is scripture and God's word, the more I started to understand that the real, the only true uh, – the only true part remnant of God's word we have is our biology, is our is the human body. It it, it is mm-hmm. nature. Nature is the untranslated word of the logos. And so if you can read it, then you'll start to understand the spiritual messages given to and encoded in this body. Marco Rodin is so important. Well, not not him per se, but the study of three, six and nine in vortex mass. And the nine-pointed star. I have that nine-pointed star tattooed on both of my forearms. And the reason is, it's, it's because DNA shapes that way. But more importantly, put the Ventruvian man on top of the nine-pointed star, and you start to see if energy gets to form, why would it ever pick two arms and two legs? What's the point? There's a necessary point for all of this. It's not just by randomness. Mm-hmm. And then we get to look at the spiritual lessons we get to learn by having to walk as opposed to floating and 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 just the manifestation of energy, it's pure scripture. And so the more we can read right. the body, I mean, that's just, just teaching me that what we are is so sacred. That's why your hands can hold so much in the fingerprints. You're nothing but pure information, and it's unfiltered, unadulterated. 
people have told you it's not worth much. You're not, you're not, you know, what part of the creator you're, you're, you're just a human, but there's so much more that, so yeah, we, we have the blue blueprint of the original logos in all of us. So it's really interesting. Right. It's kind of like those who remember first win. It's all about remembering. It's not about becoming a spiritual teacher. It's more about remembering you're connected to everything. And then once your brain gets there, then the body responds, right? So I don't know. Right. It's been interesting. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I think um, if you're on to something. You're really on to something there. So, but what gets me is I have some, I've had times where I have total immersion and total remembrance and I'm there and I've literally high-fived with source, you know, with oneness and the, it's like, yeah, I'm home. And and then I'm, I come back and I go, hey, I didn't have to die. I, I can do that. I can do it with my meditation. With my This is my tantric practice, right? And, and yes. just to cut you, I would get into a high, high orgastic state and, and with hmm. my husband facilitating um, into a, a continuous state of orgasm. And then once you do that, you open the time travel. You open the portals. You're, you're out of your body. You're like yeah. Toth. Who said That's the creator's And state. so I'm traveling yeah. through. I'm Yeah, I get into that state, and I'm in the cosmos, and um and I'm out there, and I'm, and I can, I can do whatever, I can, you know, co-creator, manifester. But I keep myself pure, uh, and I, and before I do any kind of ritual, I protect myself from the dark side. The dark side, oh, uh, I don't know. It's something about I, ca- I came in like this, uh, this energy. So I don't have a lot of fear-based stuff, which is interesting. I, I, I talk to super soldiers and people. And, and uh, and I was raised Christian too, so and, and my mother would symbol everything as demonic, right? And we'd had the same experience. And I go, what? This is fun. You know, this is interesting. Can't you see? Can't you see love in there? Can't you see? I think we created this whole thing for experience, and that uh, yep. you know we we rotate. Sometimes we're light, sometimes we're dark, sometimes we're good, sometimes we're evil. That's why we're complex. There you go. Um, yeah. And but it's a choice every moment. If you find yourself in dark thoughts, you can change the channel, like um, switch lanes. It, it just become aware of your thoughts, and that's what people do in meditation. They become aware of their thoughts and and 100%. witness the thought rather than you know immerse yourself and do the thought. And it's not something you have to do. You can just watch it, and then you can select and make make who you are on all the thoughts that float by <laughs> so i've been doing that for i'm 65 years old and it's like okay but still being alive is a, is a trip it's very trippy and this research that you're doing i can tell you right now is critical and pulling in marco Rodin, I there you know when i was in that group and i would travel by law you know i didn't have a car buses all the way across the island late at night to go see his things because i was just so drawn to that information and and then he was living in a trailer you know he was he was just living and struggling and it's like oh marco when 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 are you going to arrive and it wasn't about money but you know he was in a struggle where he barely had enough to eat but he was so dedicated to his research and then I haven't seen him in a long time. I tried to talk to him on Facebook, but he didn't answer. <laughs> but that's okay. Huh. I, it's not oh, yeah. critical. I hope, I hope he's okay. I hope he's doing good. I mean, I really respect oh. what he did. Even using the Baha'i religion to find this pattern was just, you know, uh, I, I, oh, nothing yeah. short of miraculous, right? <laughs> so, yeah. 
Yeah, I really mm-hmm. respect everything he did. Yeah, that was one of the last things we did. We went to he came over here and we went to his his uh high um was a some kind of celebration or something. So we went out, out to the center with him. We got to witness his group there. But uh don't know where he's living right now. Interesting. Hmm. Okay, let's see, we're nice. we're running out of time here. I mean we've got twenty eight minutes but we can wrap it up. What else would you like us to know about your book which is what do you you have, don't have a title of it yet. It's just um, um well the working title okay. is Don't you are the title. language of No, well you are the language of the logos is what I was gonna call it. Oh um, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I'm just I, the law of one talks a lot about um what you were talking about. Energy taking different forms, you know, dark or light or whatever that might be. Uh as as just a learning you know, the best way I can I can relate it is uh you know what a Damascus blade is? Tell us, what is a Damascus blade? When when samurais used to make swords uh, or katanas, you would bang the metal and fold it in on itself over and over again, and you would get what looks like you know little ripples in the metal. Um, mm-hmm. But as you bang the, the, the and fold the, the the metal, the steel over and over again uh, in on itself, it becomes stronger, and you're, you're compacting the density of that metal. And so the sword literally becomes stronger uh, the more folds you put into it. And I think that's the best way I can relate. The the point of our experience is to add more vibrational thoughts, more density to the energy we are. Because when the creator, in in, in the one creator's form, uh, anything that's antimatter, antimatter, matter that's unformed, is just part of the creator that hasn't been explored yet. And so the whole point is to add more vibrational density to the creator because the creator is growing. The creator isn't shrinking. Mm-hmm. The creator is actually expanding and growing, hence we're here. And I think, I think the ultimate truth that Jesus was talking about was a mustard seed, tiny little thing, can become this huge tree. And trees actually form in the shape of a torus. Look at the roots and the branches, and it's all Fibonacci. Oh, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways. The whole point, I think, is God is, 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 you know, we're little seeds from the one creator, but our destiny isn't to be squashed in the ground. It's to grow into this magnificent thing like our source, like the creator. And so that's, you know, when Jesus was saying we're going to do great and miracles and, and how much control we have just by the amount of faith that we have. Um, there's a lot of principles mm-hmm. that I think, Jesus, I think I don't, Jesus, I think, was spot on and just how we interpret it gets uh, a little distorted based on what we understand. And really what we understand about the cosmos. The the idea of how big spaces has shifted theology throughout, you know, ever since it started. So it's really been interesting. Um just to see yeah. how that all plays out. But yeah. Yeah, all about the progression of that. And go ahead, sorry. Well if you think about if you think about that mustard seed, that's nanotechnology. And in a way we are. We're all nanotechnology. So you have it it starts with a seed and within the seed is everything it takes to become that tree. And that little seed can become this gigantic. In Maui, you really appreciate trees because they're like 300 feet tall. You know, they're like it's like Avatar, these giant trees. <laughs> and uh, you go walking through the uh, the jungle, and, and and an arm of the tree is the size of a Volkswagen bus, and you think, oh, and they, they fall, they crash, and you go, wow, if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, you're dead. There's no way you're going to get away from this giant tree that's like an Avatar crashing yeah so 
Well, this is really fascinating information, and I like where you're going. Now, what's your life like? Do you do this professionally? Do you have a day job? Please. I, uh, yeah. Do you have Good a question. wife? Do you have a, I, um, do you have a boyfriend or whatever? No, yeah. I um, Right now, I am uh, single. Uh, I, I've been, obviously, I've, I've had relationships, and I've gone through marriage as well. Uh, I think right now, at my spot in life, I'm really focusing on just being healthy emotionally, and and very I, I got to a point where I realized happiness is up to me and I have to make that you know, I have to make that decision no matter what comes my way. Uh every wave of energy I can get buried under it or learn how to surf it and use it to my advantage. And so for me right now I'm in a state of just making sure that I'm emotionally balanced because that's what really determines uh intelligence and I wanna focus more on clearing my chakras for astral work and stuff like that. Um I work for Dell, the computer company. I'm a data solution. I'm a uh-huh. data center solutions architect. So I help people build out their data centers. And um, I, uh, I, I, I've my whole thing is I've I've just been on a on a path ever since I was born to make sure that if there's a way that I can help people, if there's a hell, I was telling people about Jesus ever since I was a kid. And now I'm under mm-hmm. the impression that you know we have everything we need. Uh, just you're perfect from the get-go, and helping people just understand that they are empowered, that they're free, and that they're free to live a happy, loving, and and and, and enjoyable, exciting, memorable life. And spreading that perspective is really like the best thing that I, I figured out that I can do to help the body unify. So, I mean, me personally, I've gone through some crazy stuff, some crazy tough times as well. But in the end, it's it's really just been a journey for me to I think my spot like what I need to focus on is just helping people that have come from a conservative Christian or monotheistic theology uh, and build a bridge into an idea of the cosmos and uh, other uh, entities that are alive and intelligent and and how that fits into theology and that the world won't fall apart if aliens are real, that Jesus is still a real person, that salvation and sin and all that just looks a lot different, but the story is still beautiful. You know what I mean? And help people overcome that fear. I think there's a big need for that. I love it. I love it. Oh, my God. I'm going to stand up and praise you. No, that's it. That's it. They, they say, oh, well, and I was on a panel in October this past year with, um, oh, what was his name? Not Corey Good, the other one. Um, uh, the one that got, Randy Kramer, Randy Kramer, and we we're talking about the yeah. false flag yeah, events. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and I said, well, it's more than the false flag is that the extraterrestrials coming. They're planning on the second coming of Jesus. <laughs> And so uh, right. he was saying, well, they've been they've been examining um, will people will humanity will society fall apart if their religions crash and burn, and uh, you know studying the Anunnaki and and I and I kind of broke the God spell when I was thirteen because I was and, and you can do it by meditation and observation. So I'm looking at the Christians in the in the sixties and how they were just like Sunday Christians and they were just hypocritic <laughs> the rest of the week, you know. And uh and I and I just said to my mother when I was thirteen, um, I think it was somewhere after John Lennon was shamed for saying we're more popular for the, the Jesus and I just said, you know, I, I don't want to go anymore. I want to clear my, my hat. I wanna and and I thought my mother would was gonna, you know, 
beat me, which she never did. But I don't know why I thought that. But she said, no, if you want to, if you just want to try to find your own path, I, I won't force you to go to church anymore. I thought it was big of her. But around that time, Von Daniken started coming out with his ancient, in search of ancient astronauts. And then I, of course, had been experienced her the whole time. So I couldn't, um, you know, rectify what was coming, what was going on in terms of this, you know, traditional Christian and my parents uh, went from Presbyterian, which was kind of in the middle, to evangelical towards the end of their lives. So, of course, I rebelled, and I had to go the other direction. But I, I, my life has been very rich because I spent a life, a lifetime researching while looking at the rest of the world, and they're like in this programming, and um, and they're spinning out of control. So if there is a way for us to address this issue and embrace them and bring them through and and I've always embraced um, the concept of Jesus. I actually went through a year of meditation where I went to a group once a week and I meditated every day at the same time. And when I went uh, about a year into the practice, I had a I had five or six past lives spontaneously download into me one night. And this is back in, what was it, 1993, two or three. And I remembered I remembered walking with Jesus. I had this Jesus lifetime, <laughs> and and I remembered like all these it was so detailed. It was like conversations, you know, sitting uh, swimming in a in a um, a waterfall type thing, and and very detailed memories and conversations. So I think there was um, there's a spiritual Jesus, and I think there was a physical Jesus. My conclusion. Now was Jesus Enki? I was. Uh, Glenn Bogue thinks that Jesus was Enki and Enki was Jesus, and he kept changing his identity all through time. And uh, and, and Jesus and Mary, he, he believes that Jesus and Mary were the, the wedding at Canaan because they were forbidden to marry. Uh, remember I told you earlier how Enki, um, if Enki was Jesus, Enki was forbidden to marry his beloved Nema because he had to do the political marriage to Damkino. And so their whole lives were screwed up. They were, they were raised that they were going to be married, and they were they were in love with each other. They were the divine couple, the divine masculine and feminine. And they were balanced and equal and in partnership. And then all of a sudden he has to go and do this political marriage. And so she went off uh, heartbroken, and she made love with um, Enlil, which is Yahweh, right? And this is this is the original separation which got them, which is actually good. You know, we have this romantic tragedy comedy, which has shaped all of the story of humanity. So she had this child, Ninurta, uh, out of wedlock and forbidden by her father, who was a king. And and so she was the black Madonna. She was shunned. She was blackened, and he was he was uh, shunning and uh, and Enlil as well. But then he realized, well, he's got to take uh, and Audi said, I've got to take Enlil and make him my heir because I married my son off to my enemy right <laughs> uh, to their tribe so this is a long convoluted story of a very um, dysfunctional royal family that apparently uh, Nibiru was part of the ongoing battle of the Lyrans and the Dracos and this goes back trillions and trillions of years and I think that humanity by getting conscious this is the great hope all these different species have uh, lent their DNA to make Homo sapiens sapiens, and we're the hope yeah. of the universe. 
to end these endless wars. So, Dean, your research is so important because you were immersed in the program of Christianity, which is not the original intention. It's about consciousness and spirituality that got hijacked. And every time another religion was created, it was, and they even have hijacked a New Age religion. Everything gets hijacked um, for whoever is, is at the – are they the reptilians? Are they the archons? There's another force that came in after the Anunnaki did all their dysfunctional stuff, and we're, we're acting out this uh, intergalactic passion play, which if we follow through to – the timelines of other societies ends in the destruction of our beautiful planet. And I love Gaia. I, uh, she's my friend. I know she's conscious. So I'm here yeah. like you are, Dean, as a champion. And somehow your piece is critical to help people who are in the program to wake up and realize that this is uh, there's another way of being and another way of living life and I appreciate you. Thank you. Oh, I really appreciate that as well. Um, that means a lot to me for sure. Sometimes you can feel a little bit alone when you're diving. I'm sure you know when you're <laughs> diving into this stuff and no one's on the same path. And thank you. Well, call me anytime. Call me anytime. Because I do oh, too. I, get, I hit the brick wall. And I, I have my husband's almost finished with his part. And then I've got to take the book and bring it on home. So this is the part which go. is the, the tedious, and uh, but you got to go into the, lang- the, the language and you compare. There's so many translations, so I have to pull in the divine feminine. This is my job because I'm I'm an I'm a fractal of Nima. I don't know how to explain it. I don't want to say I'm the only one. I don't want to say that she's reincarnated. Somehow I identify re- with Nima. Re- you're related. Yeah. We're related in a very deep soul level related because she speaks to me. And so my mission is to get this information out, to get us back on track, which is partnership away from patriarchy and hierarchy, partnership mm-hmm. and the balance of the masculine and feminine. Um, exactly. I don't know how to do that. It's like a big job. Okay. <laughs> I know I'm supposed to do that. Yeah. 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 So it's tough. we have uh, a few minutes left. What would you like to say more about? Yeah, go ahead. Your channel. I'll stop talking. I get carried away. I'm sorry. I'll shut up for a little. No, while. no, no. It's, it's great. No, please don't. All, all I was going to say is, uh, I think the important thing to remember, and this was in, so LNL Research did a lot of uh, channelings from different confederation and ET groups. And they mm-hmm. have, there's a couple of different groups that are pretty popular. Hatan, Quo, and Ra, the Law of One, are some of the big major groups. Um, and the message is very much synonymous. It's all the Law of One. It's all, we're all part of the same being. We're all from the same creator. doesn't matter what body we're in. And what a statement from Quo that really struck home with me, um, they said that just you being here alive, regardless if you get outside and make a huge difference, you know, in the world or not, the thoughts you have are all that it takes and, 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 you know, to make a difference. And your act of service was just incarnating. That was the huge, that was the main part of the act was I'm going to incarnate and whatever karma I pick up along the way, so be it, this place needs help. And so we incarnate to, to help alleviate spiritual, you know, roadblocks. But 
the whole the whole idea is like we can it's a reminder for me to take faith that we need to follow our hearts and our intrinsic desires and passions that are promoting unity and love and and accelerating that spiritual progress because even if we feel alone or even if we feel like it's not accepted, you know, the work that we're doing, it might take hundreds of years for people to go, oh, yeah, that makes sense now, you know. But um, <laughs> it's important to not stop, I think, is all I'm trying to say. It's, it's really important to keep going. So for anyone listening, especially for you and all the work you're doing too, um, thank you so much, and, and please continue to do that. It's definitely encouraging for me to hear you say that. and um, To remember, yeah, not to get caught up in all the – things that we deal with every day but focus on the spiritual progression and why consciousness is really in a body right so uh that's great and really good <laughs> okay um I, that was a uh, wonderful series of thoughts so the thoughts you have well so just the process of being alive in a body because we all affect the morphogenic field and and we're all connected exactly the singularities that go it's like a giant grid that connects everywhere throughout the cosmos so it is the butterfly effect so whatever we do affects the whole and the whole continually affects us so we you know just get conscious of that and and choose be the chooser see when i was four they took me on the mothership and they showed me 24 realities of what was going to happen like um future histories and the the worst case was the planet blew up and the the best case was the the utopian there were 24 varieties on the theme and they asked me to choose. So, the, and I did. I chose a really nice woman. But then there's people playing with the timelines, and so we're not on that timeline anymore. But somehow I chose to go along with the game. We're always the chooser. We're never the victim, right? So if you don't like it, you know, do something. Do something. There you go. Yeah, like you said, just being, just being. Those, do something. So I, so I, I was going through a lot of rough things too, like you have. And I said, well, I'm going to do radio shows. <laughs> and I set yeah. my attention. And my inbox is full of all these people, and I keep finding them. And they're like you. They're like magical, incredible people. And so I feel renewed and alive and vibrant and hope reno- re- re- renewed. I'm going to uh, end with um, Jaya Earthchild. And let's see. Okay, I came across Sanctuary. She's a lovely lady. She's my friend. She's now living in Australia. A lot of people left the United States when it got crazy. So hopefully she's enjoying her life down under with her beloved husband. But she wrote a song called Sanctuary. So final word to you, Dean. And then we're going to end with Sanctuary by Jaya Earthchild. Okay, final word to you, Dean to say your your Um, website or whatever you want to promote. Sure thing, yeah. So I don't have a website up right now, but the app that we're working on developing, metachange.me, we're revamping the site. So once that's back up, I can let you know. But that app is designed to be a global synchronous meditation app to help people meditate around the world on the same things at the same time to play off the Maharishi effect, you know, the exponential uh, effect of consciousness when people do the same thing at the same time. So I'll definitely let you know about that. But, yeah, I think the only thing I'd like to say is it only takes one neuron to start a thought, like exactly what we were talking about. You know, it only takes one person with that butterfly effect to to change the world. So this is so great. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. And uh, you're a huge encouragement to me too. So, yeah, this has been amazing. Thank you. Thank you, Dean. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. 
And once again, Sanctuary by Jaia Earthchild. Much love and blessings and aloha. Thank you. 